اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم یا ایوہ الزین آمنو لا تبتلو صدقاتکم بالمنی والعزا کلزی ینفکو مالہو ریاء الناسی ولا یؤمنو باللہ والیوم الاخری فمثلہو کمثل صفوانن علیہ ترابن فاصابہو وابلن فترکہو سلدا لا يقدرون على شيء مما كسبوه والله لا يهدي القوم الكافرين O ye who believe, render not, your, render not vain your alms by taunt and injury like him who spends his wealth to be seen of men and he believes not in Allah on the last day His case is like the case of a smooth rock covered with earth on which heavy rain falls, leaving it bare, smooth and hard They shall not secure aught of what they earn and Allah guides not the disbelieving people. In commentary of this verse, Hazrat Masih uh, gives a translation and a basic meaning of it as we went over in principle. Yani, اے احسان کرنے والو اپنے صدقات کو جن کی صدق پر بنا ہے احسان یاد دلانے اور دکھ دینے کے ساتھ برباد مت کرو یعنی صدقہ کا لفظ صدق سے مشتق ہے بس اگر دل میں صدق اور اخلاص نہ رہے تو وہ صدقہ صدقہ نہیں رہتا بلکہ ایک ریاکاری کی حرکت ہو جاتی ہے غرض احسان کرنے والے میں یہ ایک خامی ہوتی ہے کہ کبھی غصہ میں آ کر اپنا احسان بھی یاد دلا دیتا ہے اسی وجہ سے خدا تعالیٰ نے احسان کرنے والوں کو ڈرایا And this is something that was discussed in verse 263 of Surah Al-Baqarah as well. So it's not a repetition in commentary. In fact, this is the same point that is emphasized again in verse 265 of the Holy Quran. And Allah Ta'ala says, O ye who do favors to others and do good to others, um, do not render your charity vain, because sadqa comes from the root of siddiq, which has the meaning of genuine friendship and also truth. And if it is devoid of this sincerity, then it no longer remains sadqa according to the basic definition of the word. And so Hazur said that many people who give in charity, they have this weakness within them that if they become angry at some time, then they remind that person that they had done a favor for them. And in this way, Allah Ta'ala has reminded them to be mindful and fearful of this. Now explaining this point of why it is that a person does this, Um, and Hazrat Muslim one who explains in Tafsir Kabir that there are a couple of things that are described here. One is that a person should not render their um, their actions vain by showing off to people, Riyaun Nasi. And this is the intention that is described. And also the consequence of this intention is also described. Is that if a person does it for the sake of people, then the, it will eventually show itself through his taunting that other individual. He writes at Baharhal, Allah Ta'ala firmata hai ke aza wale ka sadka bhi riyaun nas wale ki tarah zaye chala jayega. Kyunki go us shakhs ke dete vak riya madde nazar na thi. Magar us ke dil ke goshon mein zurur makhfi thi. Varna wo aza se kyun kaam leta. He says that when a person taunts someone or causes them injury because of the sadqa that they gave, then although at the time of giving that charity, they did not have it present in their mind 
that I'm doing this for the sake of showing off to people. But the fact that afterwards they brought it up in a way is to taunt someone, demonstrates that it was hidden in their mind that the real intention behind this action was for the sake of showing off to people and to be seen of people. And also Allah Ta'ala connects this here with those who believe in Allah on the last day. So Riyaw Nas is connected with the belief in Allah on the last day. That this applies to those people accepting those who um, which Allah Ta'ala says that يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ So explaining this point, Huzur explains that دوسرے معنی اس کے یہ بھی ہو سکتے ہیں کہ ریاکار کو خدا تعالیٰ اور یوم آخرت پر ایمان نہیں ہوتا کیونکہ احسان دہی جتلاتا ہے جسے خدا تعالیٰ پر ایمان نہ ہو اگر وہ اس نعمت کو خدا تعالیٰ کی دی ہوئی سمجھے اور اسی سے عجر کی امید رکھے تو لوگوں کی واہ واہ کا وہ خواہش مند ہی کیوں ہو اسی طرح اگر اسے یقین ہو کہ آخرت میں اجر ملے گا تو وہ کیوں اسی مسکین سے خدمت لے کر اپنا اجر پورا کرنا چاہے جس کی اس نے تھوڑی بہت مدد کی ہے یہی حکمت ہے جس کے ماتحت اللہ تعالیٰ نے من اور اضاء کے مقابلہ میں ریاؤ ناس اور لا یمنون بلّہ والآخرہ رکھا ہے حضور ایکسپلینس دیٹ دس از کنیکٹیڈ ود بلیف ان دیئر ان اللہ عمیری ان بلیف ان دا ہیئر آفٹر دا ریزن از that if a person had not given charity for the sake of showing off, but in fact he had done it for the sake of the love of Allah Almighty, and also he had only done it because he would receive his reward in the hereafter, then why did he ever cause someone injury in the first place? The fact that he caused someone injury shows that he does not have a conviction in his intention of doing it for the sake of Allah Almighty, and the reward in the hereafter is not something present in mind. But he had reserved something in his mind that I'm going to benefit from this in some way or the other in this world. And that showed its symptom. So why is it that a person wastes the reward of what he has done by taking uh, service from somebody who he had done a favor to and in this way rendering vain his actions? So in this verse Allah Ta'ala describes something specific and then connects it with belief in Allah Almighty in the hereafter. And this is something that is a consistent theme that runs across the teachings of Islam, whether it is mentioned specifically there or not. This has also been described in the hadith of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, where he said that when a person does a sin, for example, when he steals, or when he commits fornication or does any of these things, then at the moment that he does it, he does not believe in Allah Almighty. Iman has left his heart. It is as if he has done kufr at that moment. So an action of disobedience against Allah Ta'ala is an action of kufr in that moment. That is essentially what it is. And when we look at it on a practical level, this is the reality that comes forward. That if in this very specific example a person did a favor to someone, and their claim in words was that I believe in Allah on the last day, and what that means is that when I do this favor to you, I don't do it because people are watching, but I do it because Allah Ta'ala is watching. I don't need people to be able to give me praise or to give me approval. And his claim is that I believe in the hereafter, which means that I don't need any reward from you, but I only seek reward in the hereafter. But then in that moment, that then when that person offends him, he brings it up in a way to taunt him, or he takes a service from him, or he quotes that charity that he gave as an example of his generosity, then that negates the fact that in fact in practical action he believes in Allah Ta'ala. Now he doesn't believe in Allah Ta'ala, now he believes more vividly and with greater conviction in people. That is his intention. And when he seeks to get a reward in this world from that action, it shows that his iman bil akhirah is something that is lip service. 
because now he is demonstrating that in reality he believes in the reward of this world more vividly and as a greater reality than the reward of the hereafter. So this is the way in which all of these points are connected with the six articles of faith. And why Allah Ta'ala describes here the concept of Iman Billah and Yawm Al-Akhirah. And Hazrat Muslim who also explains here that Allah Ta'ala says that um, O you who believe, render not vain your alms by taunt and injury like him who spends his wealth to be seen of men and he believes not in Allah and in the last day. So Zuhr says that there are those who believe in Allah in the last day and they can spend their wealth to be seen of people. And if it is done with a good intention, then it is something that is permissible. But here a person has to be very mindful of their intentions. So Zuhr explains that in the Holy Quran, Allah Ta'ala also describes that Allah Zina yunfikuna amwalahum bilayli wa nahari sirram wa alaniya falahum ajruhum inda rabbihim wala khawfun alayhim wala hum yahzanun. So to spend openly is not something that is forbidden in Islam. Allah Ta'ala has given a balanced teaching. It is the incorrect intention that puts a person at fault. Because Allah Ta'ala says that those who spend their wealth by night and by day, secretly and openly as well, for them is a reward with Allah Almighty. And no fear will come upon them, nor do they have any grief. Then there's a point that Hazrat Masim made about moderation in spending that baaz log ek baat muh se nikalte hain aur phir us par qaim nahi reh sakte aur gunagar hote hain sadka umda sadka umda wo hai jo agarche qaleel ho magar us par dawam ho so this is an application of the hadith of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where he was asked what is the best action and he said that adwa muha wa inkalla that the most moderate of actions that is consistent even if it is something that is small so Zuhr said that sometimes a person says something by which he commits to something that is beyond his capacity and then he becomes sinful. So here Huzur has described it a sin to break our promise. So this is why we should be mindful when we make up our or give an oath or make a pledge or whatever it is. Because once a person gives a, gives a pledge, then he is responsible to stand by it. In one place, Hazrat Muslim who even gave examples of how the Kuffar of Mecca had so clearly established in their mind the concept of fulfilling oaths that they would do so even at a severe loss to themselves, even at a threat to their own lives. So to fulfill one's oath is a basic principle of moral character that should exist in a person whether they are a believer or a disbeliever. So it applies all the more to an Ahmadi. So if a person by his words commits or pledges to a level of financial sacrifice simply out of an emotion that he is not able to fulfill, then it is something that can make him sinful because he has broken his pledge in the sight of Allah Almighty. Also in the realm of fasting, this is relevant because Allah Ta'ala has set a very steep kafara for somebody who deliberately breaks their fast. If a person misses a fast by mistake or whatever happens, then of course they just make up one fast afterwards. But there is a huge difference between making up one fast and keeping 60 consecutive fasts as a kafara for someone who deliberately breaks their fast in the month of Ramadan. And the reason there is this huge difference is the difference in intentions. When a person makes up his mind in the morning that he is going to fast, then he has made a pledge to Allah Almighty that for the remainder of this day, I will remain in a state of fasting for the sake of Allah Almighty. To break that pledge in an act that is an act of love is something that goes against the adab of the love that we have for Allah Almighty. In one hadith, the Holy Prophet ﷺ has said that all of our actions are in one way or the other for our own sake. But fasting is for Allah Ta'ala. So in this hadith, whatever the philosophy is that makes fasting unique is a separate issue. 
But from the Islamic perspective, fasting is very unique in its expression of love for Allah Ta'ala and the sacrifice that we offer. So when a person intends to make this sacrifice in the morning and then deliberately breaks that fast, then it is a, a huge deal, not because of the simple action of fasting, but because of the breaking of that pledge with Allah Ta'ala and how it goes against the adab of our relationship of love with Allah Almighty. So this is something that goes against the love of Allah Ta'ala. It goes against the resolve and a willpower that a believer should have. It goes against the qualities that he should have when he um, stands before Allah Almighty. So this is why breaking our pledge is something that is uh, considered to be um, a point of significance. Our words are given significance in Islam. And it is only then that they will have, uh, th that we will ourselves give them importance. Even if a person makes a pledge that he later on regrets, and then he feels a need to go back on that pledge, even then Islam has said that he should observe three fasts. So why is it that he should observe three fasts? If he found a better option, then to go back and break his pledge and adopt something better is actually a good deed. The reason for the three fasts is because we have respect for our own words. If we don't have respect for our own words, then we lack self-respect. A person who lacks self-respect is not worth anything to anybody. So when a person has respect for himself, then he can only have resolve to act, and then his sacrifices mean something. This is also one of the reasons why there are small etiquettes that we are taught in life. For example, our topi, our hat. It's not something that we throw on the floor. It's something that we treat with respect. It's just an article of clothing. But the thing is that when we put something on our head, then it is out of self-respect that we should treat that article of clothing with a level of respect as well. If we don't treat our head with respect, then our sajda is meaningless. It's the fact that we have human dignity and we have self-respect that the act of sajda carries great significance. And when we put our head on the ground before Allah Ta'ala, then it is an act of worship and it is an act of humility and sacrifice before Allah Ta'ala. But a person who has no respect for his own head, who has a topi that he's, you know, just keeps with his shoes or throws on the ground or has no respect for it, it takes away from the sajda that he puts before Allah Ta'ala. So these are the subtle things of adab that have an effect on the spirit of the worship that we offer before Allah Ta'ala. So here Hazrat Masimud explains how a person can even say something that is with a good intention. But then if he is not able to fulfill his words, then although he had said good words, but by saying words that then um, he has to go back on, and that were not calculated and he did not take with gravity, then it can become something that is sinful. So Huzur said that that sadqa is good, which a person is able to do consistently, although it may be something that is done in a, in a smaller amount, even though it is something that is small. Hazrat Khifudul Masih Rabbi explained in commentary of this verse also that the example that is given here, um, their case is like a case of a smooth rock covered with earth on which heavy rain falls, leaving it bare, smooth and hard. They shall not secure out of what they have earned and Allah guides not the disbelieving people. He said this is an analogy of those people who do not have generosity within them, nor do they do it for the sake of Allah Almighty, but they seem to be generous on the surface. And so, although there might be a land that is impossible to cultivate, but on the surface it seems like it is fertile. But at the first sign of rain, at the first sign of trial, then the reality of that land becomes obvious, that it was useless all along. A person might have attributed value to it and thought that it would bear fruit, but it ends up being useless. So Azur said that there are many people who have the veneer of civilization and sophistication, 
They seem to be generous and to be philanthropy, uh, you know, to be very uh, self-sacrificing people. But then as soon as a hardship comes upon them, then we see the level to which they have generosity and, self, and, and, the ability, and their willingness to sacrifice for the sake of others. So the reality of an individual comes out at the time of a hardship. And until we see someone at that time of hardship, we don't know anything about their reality. So this is also why Allah Ta'ala has said that it is only those who are patient in trials who are given glad tidings and who are correctly guided. Otherwise, if a person has not faced a trial, then we don't know anything of their reality. So this analogy is carried forward into the next verse. So in this verse it is explained that such people who give only for the sake of showing off to people and who taunt and give injury afterwards, they are like a land that looks fertile, but then when heavy rain falls on it, then all that seemingly fertile soil is washed away and one is left with rocks that are not able to be of productive value to the people who wish to cultivate that land and bring fruits forth from it. Then Allah Ta'ala says that وَمَثَلُ الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمُ اَبْتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ وَتَثْبِيتًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ كَمَثَلِ جَنَّةٍ بِرَبْوَةٍ نَسَابَهَا وَابِلٌ فَآتَتْ أُكُلَهَا دِيَفَيْنِ فَإِلَّمْ يُسِبَهَا وَابِلٌ فَتَلْ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَسِيرٌ in the case of those who spend their wealth to seek the pleasure of Allah and to strengthen their souls is like the case of a garden on elevated ground. Heavy rain falls on it so that it brings forth its fruit twofold. And if heavy rain does not fall on it, then light rain suffices and Allah sees what you do. In continuation to a point from the previous verse, in commentary of the words, تَثْبِيتًا min anfusihim. They spend to strengthen their souls. Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih al-Abul one who also emphasizes the point of consistency. Is that kisi ke kehne sunne se na ho, fori josh na ho, balke dil ke pakke rade se ho. He says that you should not give the ideal giving which results in the establishing of the desire to spend in our hearts. It is not given when we are forced to give because somebody told us, nor is it given by some passing enthusiasm, but it is given by a firm uh, intention that is made within our hearts. So both of these things are described as being negative, although they are necessary in some situations, but they are not a result, they, are, they do not result in tathbitam in anfusihim. So of course at times a person does need to be pushed unwillingly to, to be able to develop a habit. And at times also we give a lot out of an enthusiasm that also has a place in financial sacrifice. And these are necessary to establishing a overall median in our financial spending. But the real sacrifice that we make is tathbitan min anfusihim, that which is to strengthen our souls. And this is something that is given with moderation, that we make an intention of with a willingness and a happiness, and then we are able to remain established on afterwards. Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih Rabi rahimahullah also mentioned that the words here that then light rain suffices, it does not mean that then their fruits are only given partially, but it means that even, in a, even when believers um, are given light rain or heavy rain, either way they give fruits that are twofold. Um, also in commentary of this, continuing in the point that was made in the previous verse, in the same way that when a disbeliever or a person who does not have character, when they are faced with hardship, then the negative characteristics that they have show forward. But for a believer, it's the opposite. In fact, when a believer faces that heavy rain and that storm, 
then at that time the beauty of his character comes forward. And at that time many dormant capacities that a person was completely unaware of come out which show the strength of that person and then as a result of that trial he is able to uh, be uh, at a far higher level of nearness to Allah Almighty. So the trial that comes upon a person it goes both ways. And it is neutral in the sense that it brings out the reality of an individual. So this is essentially the philosophy of tri trials that Islam has described and that Allah Ta'ala has described. Many people, they look at trials and hardships and suffering as being a negative thing or being intrinsically negative. This is not so from either an Islamic perspective or a logical perspective. A trial, suffering is neutral. And it is entirely up to us how it is that we react to it. And the way that we react to it is a reflection on us. It is not a reflection on the trial. We can't say that that hardship ruined my life that trial and that difficulty, that loss ruined everything for me. Everything was going fine until that catastrophe happened. No, it is not the catastrophe that ruined us, it is we that ruined ourselves. That trial only brought out what was there the entire time. It was a flaw that out of Allah Ta'ala's parda poshi, He had kept hidden for the sake of our, uh, you know, not being exposed in front of people. And also we can say that we weren't even able to become aware of our own selves. So in a way a trial is actually a favor for us, that there was a disease within us and then it came forward which had remained undiagnosed. So a person does not curse their doctor when the doctor tells them that they are suffering from a disease that they were unaware of before. They didn't have the symptoms of it, but then the test that the doctor is able to do brings out those symptoms. A person is grateful to the doctor. So if a person goes through a trial and then something negative comes out, they react to it in a way they didn't ex expect. And they face embarrassment in front of people, whatever the situation is. But still there should be a gratitude that this was a disease that existed within me, the symptoms of which were hidden. And the longer I had lived oblivious to it, the more advanced its state would have become and the more destructive of an influence it would have had on my soul. And the more difficult it would have been to reverse its effects. So for a believer, whatever happens, it is a source of blessings for him. Everything is a source of khayr. If he has qualities within him, his belief in Allah Ta'ala makes the trial that he goes through result in fruits, the spiritual fruits being enjoyed as a result of that trial. And if he has a fault within him, then it is a diagnosis that he receives that he doesn't become defensive about. He doesn't take personally, but then he does a muhasaba of himself and then he addresses that weakness and he reforms himself. So this is the way in which that same heavy rain, when it falls upon the believer, then it becomes a source of blessings for that land and it becomes a source of progress for that individual. So with these points, um, we'll end today's dharas and we'll continue from uh, this verse uh, tomorrow. So now we'll uh, go for iftar. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Ali Muhammad wa barik wa sallim innaka hamidun majeed.